Good morning. Our scripture today is Hebrews 10, 32 through 39, and it can be found in your bulletin or Bible. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have the need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Hannah. Well, again, good, uh, good morning to you. And we're going to continue our study in the book of, of Hebrews that we've been going through. I uh, hope this morning is a comfort to those of you whose football team uh, lost yesterday. It was a big day in college football. I hope it's a I hope this sermon is convicting to those of you who pridefully won yesterday, uh, but in some way I think this, wherever you're at on that spectrum, hopefully this will be good for you. You know, Herb Burton came up to me after and said, hey, since we're having the, bringing back the greeting time, does it mean we're going to bring back coffee? Yes, we want to bring back coffee as soon as we can, and uh, we've got such a cool setup back there for it, and so we look forward to bringing back coffee as soon as we can kind of rebuild our coffee team, have enough volunteers to do that. Uh, you, you might be aware that uh, the work that goes on here takes just an army of volunteers. We have a lot of great people, so we just need to rebuild that team. So it's just, just one of the things we've noticed as we've looked at coming out of COVID recently uh, the mask mandate that we are under is over, even with public schools, so that was really good news. And people are just longing for community. There's a, just a real longing. People are interested in community groups, they're interested in coffee, they're interested in the greeting time, and uh, so we're excited about rebuilding some of those things. Those are so, so important today. Well, I want to talk about patient in trials, so that's the title of, of uh, this morning's sermon. You know, when I was a little kid, I lived in Dallas, Texas with my family when I was like six, seven years old. And before that, we lived in Houston, Texas. So we still had family in Houston, and occasionally we would travel to Houston to visit our family. And then at the end of the day, we would travel all the way back to Dallas on the freeway. And, uh, and it would be late at night, and I was like six, seven years old. I'd be in the back seat with my brother, with my sister. And it just felt like the longest trip. It was just, just so long, and it was just so hard to wait for the trip to be over. And it just, you know, those, those children, it's just really hard for them. And we all have a hard time waiting. And I remember I, remember I would say to my dad, I would say, say, Dad, how much longer? How much longer is it going to be before we get back home? And my dad would say, well, uh, do you know what the... Uh, what the, what the monkey said after he got his tail caught in the lawnmower. And I'd go, no, and he'd say, well, it won't be long now. And, and so it was all this, uh, it was just really hard to wait. But as you go through life, we all have a hard time waiting. 
I want to tell you who this sermon is for. This sermon is for people who are longing for something in your life. You're waiting for something to happen, but the wait is getting long. You're praying for something, and God has said either no or God has said wait, and you're just longing for that thing to happen, and it is so hard to wait. This sermon is for people who are going through hardship of some kind, who are going through some kind of trials, something in your life that is not working the way that you want it to. And so uh, I'm excited about this passage because it is, we're gonna walk away today with three things that'll help you navigate hardship, that will help you navigate waiting. And I wanna point your uh, attention right now to what I believe is the main verse in this passage. So look at the text in your bulletin or in your Bible for a second, and I want you to notice verse 36. I think this is the main verse in the passage, and I want you to listen carefully to these words. It says, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. That word endurance there, you have need of endurance, is, is one of the real power words of scripture. Scholars would say, in the Greek word, there is not an easy, there's not any single English word that completely captures this Greek word you have that is translated here, endurance. So sometimes it is translated patience, sometimes it is translated steadfastness, sometimes what it really talks about is, is it means having staying power. And uh, Philo, who was a Jewish philosopher in Alexandria around, uh, around the time of Christ, Philo said that patience is the queen of the virtues. It is the queen of the virtues. And so this is a passage about being patient in hardship and patient in suffering. So what I want to do over the next several minutes is I want to, I want to share from this passage three things that will get you through, through trials, three things that will give you patience, three things that will help you to stand firm. So the first one is this. We see it in the passage, and it is to recall God's faithfulness. The first thing that we need to know when we're going through hard times, when we're having trouble being patient, when we can't wait for whatever had, we're praying for, whatever God has for us, the first thing this passage says to do is to recall God's faithfulness. So take a look at it there in the passage, verse 32. Look at, look at the words there. It says, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. So the key word there is recall. He said, I want to encourage you, in order to have endurance, to have patience, the first thing you need to do is you need to recall God's faithfulness. Now, one of the cool things about the story, of, about the book of Hebrews and about the whole Bible is that it's historical. It is historically true. It is tied to actual events that happen in history. Look at what it says. You recall the former days when after you were enlightened. The word enlightened means it refers to their conversion. It refers to that day when sort of the light came on in their hearts and they believed the gospel and they believed in Christ. And he's saying, when you were a young Christian, something happened to you. He says, the former days after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. A hard struggle with sufferings. What's that talking about historically there? 
In 49 AD, the emperor of Rome was Claudius. The, the, the readers of this epistle, this letter to the Hebrews, were likely Jewish believers who were living in Rome. And in 49 AD, Claudius issued an edict that basically exiled Jewish people from the city of Rome, and the Christians would have been included in that. And so there was this edict that happened. There was external pressure. There was external suffering. And he said there was hard suffering. He says there's three things to look back on that God, God gave them grace to handle this suffering. He says, first of all, you endured. You endured. In other words, here's our power word again. You were patient. You were steadfast. It means that they, the, the New International Version of this verse says, you held your ground in the contest. It's like a football team today making a goal line stand. You held your ground. You did not compromise your faith. He says, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. And what else did God enable them to do? Look at verse 33. It says, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. In other words, they were being attacked for their faith in Christ. This doesn't happen as much in the United States right now. It happens in Algeria. It happens in parts of the Middle East. It happens in China. There are places all around the world where Christians are persecuted for their faith. How would you be able to handle that? Well, that's what was happening back then with these Christians. Publicly exposed to reproach and affliction sometimes being partners with those so treated. And then verse 34, look at the second thing that God enabled them to do. He says, for you had compassion on those in prison. You had compassion on those in prison. So they had some fellow believers that were put in prison, and so they exercised compassion. We talked a minute ago about the hunger people have for community. And when people go through hard times, one of the things that is needed is for the believing community to support one another and to get behind them. One of the things that happened over the past couple years, as you know, was the pandemic, COVID. And I've heard, I've, I've heard it said by someone in our church, and I really believe it's true, that COVID was an attack on the church. It was an attack on Christian community. It wasn't persecution, but it was an attack because what it did was it robbed us for a time of in-person worship. It robbed us of a lot of community. There were times when we couldn't even look at each other's faces. But one of the things that, looking back on that history of this church, is that this church made it through that COVID period over the past couple of years and exercised compassion towards one another. Early on in COVID, we knew that there would be people in our church who would lose their jobs. There would be people who would suffer because of COVID. And so people in this church together gave $50,000 toward our COVID relief fund. We've probably used about $35,000 of that money to offer assistance. What that is, is that is showing compassion to those in need. Like it says here, they had compassion for those in prison. And so a lot of you as a church, this is a, such a caring church, and you have, you have shown care to people in need, and you continue to do that. You bring meals, and you share your compassion towards them. That is part of God's faithfulness, God being faithful to provide for us. And then it says, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. 
You know, it's, uh, so even, their, they, even they lost property at that time, but they joyfully accepted that because they were focused on the promise of heaven. They were focused on their reward. You and I have not had our property seized in persecution. We don't know what that's like, but that does happen for believers around the world. So we need to look back and recall God's faithfulness. One of the things that we do every November as a church is our staff, our elders, and our deacons and others do a deep assessment of what, where our church is at. And we've been doing that. We do an exercise called Milestones and Millstones. What we mean by milestones is we look back at everything that God has done. And so in mid-December, you're gonna get in your mailbox this year's issue of Backstory, and you'll see a lot of those milestones. The reason for that is we wanna look back and see how God has been faithful to this church. But we also take a look at some of the millstones, some of the things that are challenging right now, some of the things that are holding us back, and we take a real honest look at the church. But I wanna tell you one milestone that we've never shared with the church that I'm gonna share with you right now, and I'm a little bit reluctant to share it, but I, I think it really relates well to this particular passage, and it so highlights God's faithfulness. A little over a year ago, in the early days of the pandemic, during the lockdown, our elders began to, to meet. And one of the things we learned is that uh, the United States government had offered to businesses something called a payroll protection program, which would provide funds for businesses in, in order for them to retain their employees in case they didn't have the financing to do that. Like a lot of churches, we looked into it and we, we considered, we actually filled out all the applications for it. And uh, I remember during that time as we studied the, the payroll protection program, we met as elders and there are, and, and, and I think for a lot of businesses and a lot of churches, the PPP funds were a lifesaver. That was really good. And so there wasn't anything like ethically wrong with accepting those funds, but one of the things that we did as we met with our elders was we, we scrutinized the, the wording of the law. And what we realized is that the law was written to protect a, a, a business's ability to pay the salaries of their staff during a certain period of time. And we really didn't know what was gonna happen to the economy. We thought the economy could go into the toilet, that the pandemic could just wreck our country. We, we were uncertain at that time. But one of the things we did is we looked carefully at the wording and we realized that as a church, we actually had a safety net. We had rainy day funds that we had set aside just for this kind of purpose. In other words, we were not at risk of being unable to pay our staff. We had the funding to do it. So as we looked at the law and how it was written, we met as elders and there were lots of pros and cons, lots of different views. I remember Richard Hostetter said that was the best elders meeting he's ever been a part of. But we had already uh, been notified that we could receive as a church $88,000. And we decided in that meeting that we would not take the money. In fact, we would instruct the bank to give it back to the federal government and we would not use it. And that was a big step of faith on our part, but we also knew that we had, we had a safety net. We had emergency funds that if we had to, we could dip into those to pay our staff. Well, over the course of the next months that were times of uncertainty, we, uh, 
we got to the fall and realized, number one, our expenses were less during the COVID season because we either weren't renting facilities or we were using the Geneva School. And by the end of the year, and, and this is really a tribute to this church, is that the spirit of generosity continued. People kept giving not only to the Deacon's Fund, Deacon's Relief Fund to help with COVID relief, but also to the general fund. Now remember, we had, we had said no to what we had qualified for, which is $88,000. At the end of December, when we finished out the year, we looked at the numbers and realized that Lake Baldwin Church finished the year $88,000 in the black, a positive account balance. Now, if you don't believe in a God who provides, I mean, it is amazing. Philippians 4.19 says that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. We've had that kind of thing happen over the years in providing staff, providing leaders, providing funding for our church. And so we can look back, just as this passage says, and we can recall God's faithfulness. In this church, everything that we do, whether it's our funding, whether it's our staffing, whether it's our outreach, our ministries, it's all done by faith. It's all done in trusting God to provide. And we can look back and say that God has been faithful. That's the first thing when you're going through trials. And one of the things I would encourage you to do, you probably did this, we did this as a church last week. A lot of you, like our family, did this at Thanksgiving. We went around the table and people shared things they were thankful for this last year. Jobs being provided, housing being provided, uh, relationships and friendships being provided. People look back and express their thanksgiving to God. And it was so good to be reminded of that. It was so good last Sunday to hear both children and adults sharing what they were thankful for in our church. And one of the things I would encourage you to do is I actually have a, keep a journal where every day I get up in the morning and I make a thanksgiving list of what I saw God do on the previous day because I'm, I'm recalling God's faithfulness. And it's only when I do that that I see the fingerprints of God providentially, even in the hard times of my life. And remember what, what the writer of the Hebrews is doing, he's reminding them, recall what God did in the hard times because that's when you grew, that's when you, when you really needed to know that God was coming through for you, and he did. And so I would really encourage you to have some sort of book of remembrance or some sort of journal where you can jot those things down. I now have decades of spiral notebooks that I can look back at God being faithful, and that is so encouraging to me. Let's look at the second thing in the passage. First of all, we need to recall God's faithfulness, but the second thing is to obey God's will, to obey God's will. I want you to look at verses 35 and 36 in this passage. Look at what it says about what we're to do as we're in trials, as we're in hard times. What, you do, what do you do while you're waiting for God to come through it says in verse 35, he says, therefore do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. In other words, there's this reward that's coming. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And the phrase I want you to underline and remember, we've talked about the word endurance. That's that power word that's there. But I also want you to underline the phrase, when you have done the will of God. 
One of the things you need to do when you're going through trials is you need to do the will of God. You need to be faithful to God, to not put it off, to not delay obedience in your life, but to do the will of God, obey the will of God. One of the best examples of this that I could, could share about in our church is about Mark McKinney. Now, Mark, I hope doesn't mind my sharing a little bit of this story for them, but, uh, but it's such a, it, it so highlights what we're talking about here, about patience, about endurance, and about doing the will of God. When we reached out and God called Mark and Amy to come here, and Mark was gonna be our youth director, did you know that they had to wait in Northern Ireland for a year before they were approved for their visa. And we used to stay in touch and they would wait. And I know that during that time, Mark and Amy, one of the things they did, they didn't delay the will of God. They were serving other churches, they were doing things, but they were waiting and they had to endure and they had to be patient. Then I remember when, when Mark got here and, and during that, that one year, Scott and Lindsay Bono as volunteers led our youth ministry and they kept it going. But then Mark and Amy got here and over the first two years of leading our youth ministry, when it was kind of in its smaller stages, there were very few adult volunteers. And I would remember meeting with Mark for coffee at East End Market and we would pray together that God would raise up adult volunteers for the youth group. We'd pray for the growth of the youth group. We would pray for Sunday nights. We would pray for camps. But there was a period of time when our prayers were not answered as quickly as we wanted them to be. We had need of endurance. But what did Mark do during those days as our youth director? He did the will of God. He remained faithful week after week after week, praying, preparing talks, meeting with kids, serving them, even at a time when his prayers were not being answered. And then over time, over the past couple of years, God has raised up probably one of the most amazing group of adult youth volunteers that work with our kids on Sunday nights that you could ever imagine. And, I, and, and I, I feel like Mark has got this foretaste of heaven where the reward is given him now, but what was required during that time was to be patient, as it says in this passage, and to do the will of God. So here's my challenge to all of you. Are you going through a rough time? Are you waiting for God to do something my challenge to you is to obey the will of God. What does that mean? Well, one of the things that it means is to go back earlier in Hebrews chapter 10. So this is the last paragraph. Two weeks ago, we had a, a guest speaker by the name of Brian Lumshu Chan. If you didn't hear that sermon, I would encourage you to listen to it because my takeaway from that sermon out of Hebrews 10 was to draw near to God and to draw near to each other. You see, the will of God is found in the word of God. So when you are in times of trial and you're lacking patience, what God wants you to do is to draw near to God, to be involved regularly in worship and in prayer and reading God's word, and then draw near to one another. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That is right out of Hebrews. So what does God want you to do? He wants you to do his will, which is to draw near to him and to draw near to each other and to be actively involved in encouraging one, one another, actively involved in community. Here's a question for this morning about obeying the will of God. Is there somebody this morning 
that God wants you to encourage? Is there somebody that's down? The Bible commands us to encourage one another. That is one of the things we can do to do the will of God. Now let me mention one more thought while I'm on it. So um, talked about, talk, took a little bit of risk on my previous story, but I wanna mention this one because I think it's really timely to think about for our church at this time. You heard from Brad Howdeshelt that we are searching for the next lead pastor for Lake Baldwin Church. I have been so grateful for this church because all of you have engaged, you have been, you've been giving, you've been serving, you've been engaged in community, you've been worshiping God, and I just believe that that is so healthy. But I have talked to a few people. Uh, one, I had one say this to my face, and I hear that, that others might be in a position where they say, I'm gonna wait to commit to serving in the church, or I'm gonna wait to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold off on my obedience until I find out about the new pastor. It's almost like I wanna wait and see if I like the new pastor. Now, if I could just take a minute, I wanna challenge that thinking. I wanna, I wanna challenge it, and I want you to think about this. A couple of things, for the last couple of years, we have known that this time is coming. And so we have emphasized that our faith is in Christ who is the head of a church and not in a man. This church is not built upon a, a man or a human being. This church is built upon Christ and it's his body. So one of the things you wanna do is not uh, put your faith in whatever the future leader might be. But secondly, as Brad talked about the pastor search committee, they're following an amazing process one of the things that, that they will find that I already know, a lot of you already know, whoever, whoever is that needle in a haystack, that person that God has for this church, any human being who is a pastor will have both good and bad in their life. There is no perfect pastor. There's no one that you should put on a pedestal. And so you should remember that. And then the last thing I'll say about that is that whoever that person is gonna be, they are going to be better for the church than I am long term. They're gonna be the ideal person for the next season. You're saying, Mike, how do you know that? How can you be sure of that? I believe 1 Corinthians 3, 6, where Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. That is how the church works. And so my encouragement to you when I say obey the will of God, no matter what your stage of life is, no matter what your suffering is, no matter kind of how old your kids are, whatever it might be, do not delay your obedience. God has called you to give your time and your talent and your treasure to your church, whether, it's, whether I'm your pastor or whoever it might be. Do not delay the will of God. Draw near to God, draw near to each other, and commit to the things that God wants you to do, and commit now. Do not delay, do not put it off to do those things. So that's the second thing we learn from this passage is to obey the will of God. So recall God's faithfulness, obey God's will, and then the last thing we see in this, in this passage is to believe God's promise. Believe God's promise. How do you make it, how can you be patient in trials? Remember, recall God's faithfulness. Obey God's will, and then thirdly, believe God's promise. Now, what's cool about this passage is that the writer, he knows how to challenge people, but he also knows how to encourage people. So look at how he encourages, verse 37. 
It says, for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. It is almost as personal as like my dad saying, it won't be long now, it won't be long now. This is coming, this is real. Yet a little while, the coming one will come and will not delay. Now who is that talking about in verse 37? This is, this is the return of Christ. So we are beginning our Advent season where we experience the longing and the hope of Christmas, that is the first coming of Christ. We're entering in to the emotion and the waiting that happened for centuries in the Old Testament. And so we're gonna have our series on the Messiah. We're gonna enter in to that longing. But on Christmas Day, Christ was born. His nativity, he was born in a, major, in a manger and our Messiah came. And in the same way, in the same way that they were rewarded with the first coming of Christ, this passage says it is just as certain that Christ will come again. So in a little while, you were hoping for that. When I was a little boy in the back seat of the car, my dad said it won't be long now. I could look across in the distance because Texas is so flat and I could see the lights of the city of Dallas in the distance and I knew that we would get there. And it is the same way, this promise in the Bible, we say to believe God's promise, you need to know that the lights of the city are in the distance, that Christ is gonna come and it is certain and he will not delay and it is worth it to be patient, to endure, to remain faithful and to obey God's will. And we need to believe that promise. And then notice what he says in verse 38, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. My righteous one shall live by faith. And so what we're called to do here is we are called to believe the promises of God every day in our life. There are lots of promises to believe. I talked about 1 Corinthians 3, 6 as I look to the future of this church. I have a friend by the name of John. When Molly and I were living in Richmond, Virginia, John had a job, and over time, he learned that his employer and the people at his job were engaged in unethical practices, that John himself was going to engage, have to engage in unethical practices in his job. And I will never forget the step of faith that he took. The Bible says, my righteous one shall live by faith. John did not feel that it was compatible with his integrity before God to remain in that job, and so he, he resigned from that job without having anything in place, without knowing what was gonna happen next. But he did have the promise of Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so we live in light of the promises of God. We believe these firm promises. Here's a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Listen to what Spurgeon says about the promises of God. He says, Bible promises are checks. Now we all pay with Venmo and, and Zelle and things like that right now. There used to be these things called checks and a check you would endorse it and you would get that money from the bank. Spurgeon says, Bible promises are checks drawn on heaven's bank that we endorse with faith. We endorse with faith and present to God for payment. And that's what my friend John did. He took that promise. Philippians 4.19, and he knew that God would provide for him. So here's my question for you as we wrap up this sermon. What is your trial 
in your life right now? What is your trial? How is your faith being tested right now? Can you look back in your life and see God's faithfulness and then is there one step of obedience that God wants you to take right now? Maybe he wants you to get into the game, get in, get in the action. Maybe God wants you to, uh, to serve. Maybe God wants you to encourage someone, whatever it might be. Maybe, maybe you have been drifting and your life has gotten on track and the call in your heart this morning is to get your life back on track and not delay your obedience to God. What is it, what is that step of obedience that you can take right now? There's a couple of quotes in your bulletin from uh, somebody that you need to know about. Her name is Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot. I want to look at those quotes in just a minute. Elizabeth Elliot was one of the great people of faith of the 20th century. In the 1950s, she and her husband Jim were called by God to reach out to indigenous peoples in the nation of Ecuador. What was going on is that Shell Oil was about ready to go in and remove all these indigenous people so that they could develop oil reserves in Ecuador. And Jim and Elizabeth Elliot were called by God. They were out of compassion, moved by compassion. They wanted to be there for those indigenous peoples and share the gospel with them. They began to build a relationship with those people. But one day in 1956, for whatever reason, they found out that Jim Elliot and his four friends had been speared to death next to a river in Ecuador. Elizabeth Elliot lost, not her property like it talks about here, she lost her husband to death. But what did she do? She endured. I'm sure she grieved, I'm sure she wept. She had a little child with her. But in a couple of years, God called her and Rachel Saint, who was the wife of Nate Saint, one of the other guys who was killed, and they went back with her child to live with these indigenous people in Ecuador. And after several years, the very people that speared their husbands came to faith in Christ. You talk, talk about someone who could remember God's faithfulness. You talk about someone who would obey God's will. You would talk, talk about someone who was living by faith. And I want you to look at these two quotes by Elizabeth Elliot in here. The one on the top, it says, the deepest spiritual lessons are learned not by his letting us have our way in the end, but by his making us wait, bearing with us in love and patience until we, until we are able to honestly pray what he taught his disciples to pray, thy will be done. She knows wherein she speaks. And then two quotes down, her second quote, she says these comforting words, and this is what we were singing about earlier. It is God to whom and with whom we travel. There's that city off in the distance that I remembered as a little boy traveling to Dallas. It is God to whom and with whom we travel. And while he is at the end of our journey, he is also at every stopping place, including this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, this passage of Scripture is your holy word. Even as Josiah got on his knees this morning, all of us in our hearts, Lord, get on our knees.
before your holy word. And we pray this morning for those that are struggling with hardship, those that are struggling with patience. Would you give them grace to endure? Would you give that to all of us? Would you continue to lead our church, to fill our church with your presence? And would you bless the spread of the gospel, both in our hearts and through this church? And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.